Good morning, everyone. Um, just, if you could, just close your eyes and picture the person that's sitting next to you. I just want you to pray for them now, either side of you. just want you to pray that the Holy Spirit would just really speak to them this morning, that he will open up his word to, to them, that God's blessing would just rain down on them, that they would know God in a, in a new way this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we have such a good chance to serve God in everything we do. And this morning, we're going to be looking at um, (laughs) the joy of being single in regard to how do we serve God when we haven't got a partner? Because sometimes it's almost like we think that uh, being single is like some incurable disease. It's, it's something like leprosy almost, that you know, this is what God wants us to be married and have a partner, which is great. He does. We know that the Bible says that you know, in the beginning when he, when he created Adam, he said it's not good for a man to be alone. And, and so he created Eve, a helper for him. And we also know that God said in Proverbs that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And God says that children are a blessing from the Lord and all those sorts of things. But sometimes we can make an idol out of something that is good. And what we can do is actually come to a place where we aren't serving God. Because what we do is we place something, some ideal, some, some uh, truth, that we think is a truth even above God and we start to serve that instead of serving God, our Creator. Now, we know, we're going to look at a few verses. One in, uh, there's a whole passage in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 7, about this. But there's a lot of people here this morning who aren't single, that they're married or they're in some sort of relationship. But I don't want you to switch off this morning because what we've got to say actually affects you greatly as well. There is so much pressure on people today that are single in so many different ways and the pressure isn't necessarily that they should find a partner. The pressure is that they should be in some sort of relationship, they should act certain ways, they should live certain ways, have certain lifestyles because that's what's going on around them. Um, This week I was at the gym and and up the front they've got the, the TV that has the video hits and I'm actually quite horrified at what comes on. Seriously, naked people on this screen. Women gyrating around, blokes, you know, showing off their all buff and that, which is, which is nice and strong, you know. But there's a pollution that is going out to this generation that really makes relationships shallow. It makes them almost worthless because it's, it's really all about the projection of my image to other people. How do I look? Um, how do I act in order to attract a partner? And if you're single here today, you might be polluted by that and start to think, well, this is what we have to do. I have to dress down. I have to act a certain way. I have to throw myself at a man or, or dominate a woman or, or show myself being so cool and I just get any woman I want. That if I'm buff and good looking and dance and I'm funny, then maybe I'll attract the partner that I want. 
And what God says is really different to that. Because what we have here is that, that thing that we looked at the other week, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Where we start to look at what is outward, the, the outward signs that, that we think they're attractive. Now, no doubt they are. A pretty woman is pretty. A handsome man is handsome. Someone with power somehow attracts attention. Someone with charisma grabs us. And we want to look at them. We want to be around them. We want to, want to hold on to what they have. But God is so different. He talks about adorning ourselves Especially, he said to the women, don't worry about the outward appearance. Doesn't mean that you should go around disheveled and, and, you know, not doing your hair and all that sort of stuff. But what he's saying is, this is what is beautiful. This is what is attractive. This is what is actually pleasurable in reality, is getting the inside beautiful. Making yourself into a godly person. Someone who God shines out of. And I'd just like to go firstly to Romans 12, verse 11, and have a look at this. Because we, we can easily get distracted and think that all life's about is relationship with other people, but it's not. Our relationship is actually about our relationship with God. That has to be first. Romans 12, actually we'll go, sorry, verse 1. Because this is important for those people, firstly, that are single, that are looking for someone. Romans 12, verse 1. I'll just change the version here. This is going to be a bit slow, sorry, this morning. <laughs> Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, or it says this, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind who will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, and perfect. You see, this has to be the start of everything that we do, honouring God with who we are. God's saying here this morning, and as Ian pointed out this morning, we're bought with a price. If we are Christians, then we do not belong to ourselves. We belong firstly and most importantly to God, who is our Father. We belong to him. And in this, this passage here in Corinthians, oh, sorry, in Romans, it's saying that you are to present your body to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. And because we live in a society that places so much emphasis on having someone, whether it's godly or not, what can happen is we get influenced by that and think, well, in desperation I have to find someone. I have to find someone that I can, can give myself to. But God's saying this, firstly, give yourself to me. And this is no different to when we started to look at, at husbands. What was the first thing? 
that we needed to have a husband that feared God. If you want to get into a relationship with someone who does not fear God, then you are, you are placing a millstone around your neck. And we've talked about before how, okay, sometimes we enter into our Christianity and, and maybe our husband or our wife isn't saved. And how God in his grace and his mercy says, look, if you're happy with them and they're happy with you, you should stay with them. It's God's will, first of all, that whatever state you came in, you stay there. If they're happy and they love you, stay with them. But then live your life as a godly woman or a godly man because you don't know, the Bible says, you don't know if your behaviour might win them over to Christ. The way you live, the way you act can actually win them over to Christ. And God says you bring a holiness into that relationship. God's saying because you're a Christian, you bring a holiness into that relationship. This is now a relationship that can and will be blessed by God if you trust him. It can and it will be blessed by God. It says that your children also, they're sanctified. They come under that same covering of you as a, as a husband or a wife that is believing God. So first of all, if you're single, you're in such an amazing place. We're just going to look at a few verses about that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 7. This isn't working for me. 1 Corinthians 7. We're just going to look at what Paul says about being single. Because as we know, Paul was single when he's writing this. Now, what they believe is that Paul was actually probably married at some stage. Why do they think this? Because he had um, been part of a a sect of, of Jewish. In fact, he was part of the Sanhedrin. And to be on there, you had to be married. Also, it was really shameful, actually, for people not to be married in that culture. When they're young, they should be married, and there's sort of a shame attached with it. Now, there's no actual proof of that, but what they say is that it's more likely than not that he was married at some stage, but now he's not. So whether his wife died, whether she didn't convert to Christianity and walked away from him, we don't know. And Paul says that there's other apostles that bring their wives with them on trips, and that's cool. There's no problem with that at all. So it's not as though he's saying um, things just out of ignorance, I don't think. But let's listen to this. Because when we give our bodies to God, we're putting to death the natural things that are in us, the, the desires of the flesh, you know, that lust for, lust for things. And Paul comes up with some interesting things. In 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7, Listen to this. If you think, well, maybe it's not such a good thing to be single, but I wish everyone were single just as I am, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than burn with lust. For those who are married 
have I have a command that comes not from me but from the Lord. A wife must not leave a husband. Let's just skip down a little bit now. In verse 25, now regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them, but the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that I can be trusted, that can be trusted, and I'll share it with you. Because of the present crisis, I think it's best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, don't seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, don't seek to get married. But if you do get married, it's not a sin, and if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles, and I'm trying to spare you these problems. But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, that time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. What it's saying is now that you're married, don't think only about that. But go down a little bit further in verse 32. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you, but I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. You know what? When you're single, you can serve the Lord in a way that you cannot when you're married. And this is what Paul's saying here. saying, I'm not commanding you don't get married. But what he's saying is this, start to think differently. Instead of thinking that, you know, this is a curse that I'm walking in right now, where's my husband, where's my wife? Start to think about this. This gives me opportunity to serve the Lord. This gives me an opportunity to actually devote my time, my emotion and my thoughts to serving God. And the funny thing is that when we start to seek God first, what happens? Matthew 6 talks about it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be added unto you. Everything else will be added unto you. And remember a single lady came to me once and And she said, oh, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? You know, the people that aren't married. And I started out and I started to pray and I said, God, I just pray, Father God, they will just love their singleness. That they will just allow this time to serve God, (coughs) to walk for what he wants. (coughs) What a morning. By the end of that prayer, she said, I didn't want you to pray that. (laughs) She said, I wanted you to pray that I find a husband. But what happened with her, she actually changed the way she thought. And she came in and saw me another day, a little bit further on, and she says, you know what? I decided that if I never get married, I'm going to be content, and I'm going to be happy, and I'm going to serve God. Within months, she was engaged. (laughs) How crazy is that? Now, I'm not promising anything with that (coughs) except for this, that if you seek God first, everything else will be added unto you in your life. 
And what can happen is, whatever it is, and, and this is what that whole chapter in Matthew chapter 6 talks about, it says, don't worry, don't be anxious. Everything you're seeking, <coughs> is actually sort of normal. And saying the unbelievers looking for these things, they're looking for money. They're looking for importance. They're looking for clothing. They're looking for an outward sign. But God's saying, I'll tell you what, Christians, I want this to be different with you, totally different. In fact, your life is going to be so different to the world that when they look at you, they're not even going to recognize you. Because they're saying these are the things that they see, (coughs) what they're after. But he says, if you seek me first, everything that you need, I'm going to give to you. Everything that you need, I'm going to give to you. And you know what I've found over my lifetime that that's so true? You know, my life hasn't always been easy. I haven't had, you know, everything go well with me. But every time that I've needed God and I said, you know what, God, I have opportunity right now to walk away from you And I decided not to. He came into my life and he restored, he healed, and he set free every single time. And so today, what I'd like to say to those that that don't have anyone, Paul's saying here, okay, at this time, you know, I'm telling you right now, it's better not to get married. Got to understand the context. There's a lot of persecution going on. A lot of persecution. So if you got married, it was highly likely that that your mind would be to protect my family. They might get killed, I might get killed, my kids might get killed. And what he was saying, it's perilous times at the moment. These are dangerous times, you know. People are looking around to kill Christians. And what I'm saying to you is at this time, it's better not to get married. Because what's going to happen is your mind, your heart and your life become divided. When I'm a husband, and this should be the case, thanks, Jemima, I don't just think about the things of God. I have to think about my wife. I have to think about my children. If I'm a wife, the same thing. I can't just think about serving the Lord, but I'm divided. (coughs) I have to think about pleasing my husband. And this is the way it should be. God has designed marriage that each of us pleases the other. Marriage is not about one being pleased and the other one serving. This is about both of us pleasing each other. The husband has to think about how he pleases his wife. The wife has to think about how she pleases her husband. Now, I know that even is countercultural, really, in a lot of ways. But when people really love each other, they're looking all the time for ways to please each other. And what can happen is if you're single and you start to buy into what the world is saying (coughs) about looks, about the way you act, it is all designed that you are out grabbing the attention of someone to please them but also to please a, maybe even a sexual desire that you have. 
But God's saying, let's be different. Let's look at the inside person. What is it that makes you beautiful? Because it's not those outward things. I don't know if you've ever seen someone who is really trapped in something, I have, where they're maybe drug addicted and um, just bound with unforgiveness and, and things like that in their life. And this is a genuine person that gives their life to Christ. You see a softening of their face even. They become more beautiful. There's something about them. It's God working in them, God living in them. They become beautiful. And that's what God's saying. He says, you become beautiful. You devote your life to Christ. You get your body and you say, this belongs to you, God. And you have a think about that because what God's saying is with those sexual things, like at the beginning of of, um, that Corinthians chapter, he's saying, look, if you can't control yourself, it's better off you get married. Yet what we can quite often do is walk over into that that side of... um, of the world, I guess, of our own sinful nature. If, if you can't control yourself, get some pornography. That'll satisfy that. If you can't control yourself, sleep around. That'll control that. But no, God says this, if you can't, if you find that hard, what you need to do is give yourself to God. You look for a partner. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. You look and you look carefully, but you don't allow yourself to fall into the trap of those other things because in the end, the only relationship that God sanctifies is marriage in that way. He says the marriage bed, that is the place for that to take place. This is where I'm coming in and joining with and saying this is holy. This is now beautiful. This is the way it's meant to be. And when you're you're single, you need to learn self-control. You need to take the chance. This is such a good thing. You can learn self-control. You can let the Spirit of God come inside of you and practice those things. Because I can tell you, even when you're married, there are times, there are times when it just can't happen. Maybe illness. Maybe something physical happens. Maybe a lady's pregnant. There's all sorts of reasons why you have to learn to be able to control yourself. And you use your singleness as that time when you're saying, I'm devoting myself to God because when the time comes and you need to be able to do it, you will stay faithful to your wife or your husband as you start to do that. You use that time to develop character. You use the time to develop faithfulness. You use the time to develop self-control. You use the time to develop friendships. And the Bible talks so clearly about this that it says about younger men and women treating each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Treating each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And what he says to young people is this. Don't worry about being young. Don't worry about it. But I want to give you a way. Let's have a look at it in 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4. But he says, you are meant to live your life in all purity. Purity. Isn't that a strange word for today? Purity. What does that mean anyway? 
1 Timothy chapter 4. Sorry, guys. I know this is slow. Verse 12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live your life, in your love, your faith, and your purity. You see, young people, you can quite often think that we're just an add-on to the church. Even single people think that. They think, oh, well, I don't fit in here sometimes. Everyone's married, I'm not. And sometimes you do feel a little bit like you don't fit. But God wants you to be an example. Do you know what? If you're looking for a partner for life, get busy serving God. Because there'll be other people who are single, who love God, that are busy serving God, and guess what? You're going to meet. You're going to meet godly men and godly women in your service for God. It's a place that you can walk in purity, in faith, in love, and let your life be an example. There is nothing more beautiful than someone who's walking with God. Nothing more beautiful. And if you're young, don't think you have nothing to offer God. My goodness, the amount of time you've got to actually plough in because you're not thinking about your wife or your husband, or looking after your children. To get into the things of God is just an amazing blessing. Take advantage of it. Don't waste your life on Facebook. Seriously. Don't waste your life on irrelevant things. God's saying, you know what? You're young. But God has so much more for you. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers. You see, young people, you can be an example to your parents. You can show them how you live a Christian life. You can be an example to every believer with what you say because your talk is not the trash of this world, but your talk is, wow, I was praying this weekend, God showed me this. I was reading his word and God brought it to life. I was talking to somebody and I was sharing Christ with them because I didn't have to go home at five o'clock and feed the kids and put them to bed and get them ready for school the next day. I had time to serve God and we talked about him. And being young or being in in that place of singleness is such a blessing in terms of that that you don't have to think and worry about other things. You can focus on God and be an example in your faith. Wow. I was watching a a, a DVD the other day and, and this lady called Heidi Baker in Africa, she's a missionary over there. When she prays for people, the deaf people, the sick people, she calls out to the kids. She says, come and pray. Because she knows that those kids believe God. They don't have the same blockages that so many of us have as as grown-up Christians that have developed our faith to such a place where where we've let our theology choke God's spirit. But kids, young people, single people, 
God is saying, I've got a special place for you. And some people are even gifted to be single because God has allowed them that gift in their life. It's not a curse. It's a gift. And everyone's gift is different. So what do I need to do as a single person? Give your life to God. Just say right now, you know what, God, I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to make you the one who I adore. And the Bible says that we ought to work fervently in spirit, serving the Lord. And that's a, a verse to everybody. Romans 12, 11, it talks about serving the Lord fervent in spirit. <clears throat> and this is a challenge to all of us. Being fervent in spirit is white hot and boiling. That's just a side note. If we're going to serve Christ, let's turn up the temperature a bit. Let's turn it up a bit. And let's not use the excuses that we have not to serve him. Turn up the temperature in your service for God, whatever it might look like. I've got a great message on this coming up and I'm just so excited about it. can't wait to get there. So we'll do a little bit of a, a glimpse, eh? <laughs> but do you know that each and every one of us has a call from God? Do you know that each and every one of us has a dream placed in our heart from God. But not everyone gets there. Why is that? We are asked to abide in the vine, to stay in that place where God is, to devote our life to him. And this is just a little taste. God gives you a dream. And probably each and every one of you has had one at some stage if not most of you. But you're like, this is what I want to do for God. That dream gets birthed in you by the Holy Spirit. You can see clearly this is what God wants for me. And it can be big, can be small. But what happens is we fall out of that place of abiding in Christ and the dream begins to die. It's not because God doesn't want to birth it. It's not because God doesn't want to do something in your life. It's because you fall out of that place where you are white hot in God. Because the dream always comes, you'll notice, when I'm seeking him, when I'm pushing towards him and saying, God, come into my life. You get that dream, it gets birthed. But you fall out and the dream slowly dies. It becomes either aborted or you miscarry. And you know what the problem with this is? That you will live your whole Christian life disappointed. You will live your whole Christian life wailing and grieving over the loss of what the Spirit has planted in your life. And what he wants to bring about in your life and your Christian life will be miserable. It will be hopeless. It will be boring. It will be just horrible. And I just feel that God really wants to tell you this morning, get back. 
Because the dream actually is still meant to be there and it's meant to be born. Think of Joseph. Now his dream was that one day his brothers would bow down before him. But you know what? If young Joseph was transported from that dream, that time, straight into the second in charge of Egypt, he would have made an absolute mess of it. He had to learn things on the way. The dream stayed alive, but only for one reason, because Joseph stayed close to God. Every situation he was placed in. When he was thrown in prison, he became the head. When he was put in Potiphar's house, he became the head. Why? Because he served God and when Potiphar's wife tried to get him and commit adultery with him, she ran after him, grabbed his coat. She was desperate. Joseph said, no, I cannot sin against my God or my master. You can see his priority was this. I can't sin against God. If I have a relationship with this woman, I'm sinning against God. And he's number one in my life. And so because Joseph stayed true to his God, the dream came to pass. And I really believe God wants to tell you this morning that there are some people here with broken dreams. I know this is a little off the track. But there are people here with broken dreams and you think it's never going to happen. I'll tell you what, the only determining factor in it all is you. It's not God. It's not the church. It's not your friends and it's not circumstances. It's you. You have lost your heat. You've lost the the light that God has placed in you and you've given yourself over to the world. You've started to pursue money, fame, fortune, riches, women, whatever it is. You've started to seek a lifestyle outside of God and God is calling you back and he's saying, don't you dare let that dream die because I'm the one who placed it in your heart. I'm the one who gave it to you. In that time when you're seeking me, you grabbed hold of it and you're saying there's nothing going to stop me. And so many people have a passion for God and they say they've got a passion for this, that or the other. You know, I've got a passion for this, I've got a passion for that. They never once step into it. Why? Is it really a passion? Or is it because... You have walked away from God and you never took the steps of obedience to get to the final result. You see, if my dream's big, God says in his word, if you're faithful in little, if you're faithful in little, if you're faithful in little, I will give you much. And Christian, if you've got this dream of grandeur, of a great mission that God has for you, you can be guaranteed that during your life you need to be faithful in the little things he gives you. You might say, well, oh, you know, I felt like God saying something as simple as, I know God really wants me to help in the church and pack up chairs, or I know he wants me to ring this person outside that's, that I know that's not a believer and just spend some time with them. Whatever it is, little things. You know what you do? You let that pass. You let it pass. You're like, oh, two, th- two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, oh, Well, I won't worry about the chairs anymore, but God, this dream, this vision you have for me, I want it to come to pass. And you're like, but I never seem to be getting there because you've never been faithful. You've never committed your life to God. You've never said, whatever you want, God, 
I'm going to do it. That vision, it's for a certain hour. I don't know when it is. I was 18 when I was called into ministry. I was 40 when I stood behind a pulpit as a pastor. I didn't hate the fact that that was the way it was. I never denied or doubted God's call on my life. But you know what I did? When I was single, I served him. I went to prayer meetings. I went to youth. I, I ran whatever. Whatever the pastor asked me to do, I would do in obedience. And I served God in whatever way I could. When I was married with Joe, she can tell you we kept it up. Whatever it is they needed, someone in children's church, someone around the youth, I'll do that. Oh, but I never once got bitter and thought, well, God, when is this calling coming? Because it's a vision, it's a dream, it's birthed inside of me. And I kept close to God, so the dream never died. But it was only my dream because that's what God placed in me. He's placed something else in you that you need to keep dreaming, that you need to keep growing. But each step is a step of faithfulness towards God. Every step is a step of faithfulness towards God. And I know that as I say this this morning, there'll be some that say, yeah, you know what, I've got this massive dream and I'm just waiting to walk into it. And you look and you think, well, actually, I've never served God anywhere. But somehow I've got this massive dream. I've never served God anywhere. Are you kidding me? If you've got someone that works for you, you don't grab the bloke who comes in as an apprentice one day and chuck him in charge of the whole work. He proves himself, he grows in what he is until he becomes the person that he's meant to be and God's got that for you. And the only way to reach that is to keep in the vine. What a sidetrack. If you want to develop in God as a single person, serve the Lord, serve the church. But this is another thing you need to do. Let's look at Titus 2. And this is where we all come in. Because you know the church is a body. And we're all responsible for one another. You need to find people that can show you the right way. You see, you don't want to go and get all your advice from your friends who are living in an ungodly way because they're not going to tell you the truth. You don't want to get your advice from a TV show because that TV show has got sponsors. It's got people that are in control of it. You don't even want to get your Wisdom from a panel of experts. Because the only one that can teach you godliness is a godly person. And this is what you might need to do. In Titus 2, it says this, As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control. Why? Because they've got to show the younger men, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have a sound faith, be filled with love and patience. Older men here today, put that template on your life. (coughs) 
If I was to say to you, older man, which I'll put myself in that category, are you exercising self-control? Are you worthy of respect? Do you live wisely? Do you have a sound faith? Are you filled with love and patience? Why is this important? If you don't have a sound faith, your kids aren't going to have a sound faith. Pretty much as simple as that. You know what? We can say we're Christians all we want, come to church, but our kids see us at home and they need to see in you a love for God that they need. They need to see in you that you are talking to your wife in a wholesome way, that you are loving and respecting her. Men, women, teach the older women to live in a way that honours God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. Women, time for you to put that template on. Does the way you live honour God? Do you slander others? Do you gossip and talk about other people? Do you drink too much? Do you teach others what is good? Why is this important? Because younger women need to learn from older women. And the next verse says it. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely, be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Can you see the importance here, what he's saying? You yourself must be an example to them by doing good. If you are single today, go and find someone who is serving God, who's got a good marriage. Find out what makes it work. Prepare yourself for that time when you do get someone in your life as God brings them along. Don't learn from someone who's had a bad marriage or bad relationship. Look for people that are godly. Spend time with them. And this is something that you have to do, but it's also something that we, other people in the church, older people in the church, have to do as well. We have to make sure that our lives are teaching the younger people. Are you serving God Are you busy in your work? Are you white hot? Because if you're not, how can you possibly teach anyone else? I can only teach someone what I know. And we all know people who are what we call hypocrites. And a hypocrite is someone who wears a mask, an actor, who shows outwardly they look like this person, but on the inside they're not. I can tell you right now, your kids, younger people, will pick that up straight away. They'll say, oh, mum and dad, they're so nice at at church, you know, and they they love each other and they call each other darling, and at home they're yelling at each other. They're ripping each other apart. They're not loving each other. When my dad comes home, he doesn't even say hi to mum. He just goes and does what he wants. He grabs his stuff, heads off to the pub, whatever it is. You know, my mum, every time I hear her, she's talking about someone. And she's saying mean things and how ugly they are. Or Think about it. 
If you're young and single, don't hang around with people that are ungodly. But start to seek God first. Start to put him number one in your life. Don't make an idol of being married. Don't make an idol of having a relationship. Because as soon as anything is placed up, higher than God, it becomes God to you. Whatever it is, and it can even be a good thing. But don't let that happen because I know that I've heard some, some people who are single, the only prayer they ever pray is send me someone. I don't think they ever pray for anyone else. They're never asking for God to move in the nation. They're never asking for anything else but God, give me the person I need. It's time to start to change that thinking and enjoy being single because it gives you opportunity to serve God like no one else in the church can. You can just do it because you've got no ties, you've got no responsibilities except to serve God.